Well, hey, welcome to Central Christian Church Online. My name is Michael Corral, and I get the honor and privilege of serving as the Youth and Community Engagement Director here. And we just want you to know, whether this is your first time joining us or not, um, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And one of the ways we fulfill that is through our one friend focus. That means you can reach one person at a time. And just so you know, up front, we are imperfect people in progress, and we're going into one of my favorite seasons of the year. It's the season that brings truth and light to the way that I exist today. It's the story of Jesus and and how he went to the cross for me. It's Easter. And so I'm excited for that coming up. And uh, we encourage you guys to come follow us and, and go along this journey with us on Easter Sunday. You can register online if you haven't. And right now as a church, we're going through this thing called the 14 Days of Hope. And I love this kind of thing because... It actually makes me think about the hope that I have in Jesus and and the hope that I get through Easter and and just my life in general. I love that the 14 Days of Hope is kind of like a a digital missions trip. For those of you who don't know me, I had the honor of of working with a team known as Youth with a Mission or YWAM for short. And these guys, they're, they're awesome people. Basically, they're just missionaries that are all over the U.S. and all over the nations. And, and really what they are is just people who go around and share the gospel. And I learned a lot of things in my time with this missions team. But one of the favorite things that I learned and one of the biggest revelations that I had was of Jesus the evangelist. See, Jesus was a man, and that's what we're going to talk about, of how he lived his life as an evangelist and how we are called to live that same life. See, Jesus told his disciples when he first met them something that you may have heard, but he said, hey, I'm going to turn you into something different than what you currently are. They had different jobs. They had different ways of living. But what he said was something that will stick out, and we'll dive into that in a second. But when you think of a Christ follower, maybe some things come to mind in the way that they are and the way that they act. And maybe when you think of someone who loves Jesus, maybe it's someone who became a little bit nicer or maybe someone who became a little bit more loving because they met Jesus. Or, or maybe they're a better husband and wife because of it. And, and maybe they became a little bit more generous than they used to be. But we have a lot of ideas of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and when we follow him, how different we look. And well, those are all awesome things. And, and I really think that those things are happening. Or I pray that they would happen. That's not really what Jesus told his disciples would happen if they followed him. So the first thing I want to look at is a scripture, and it's the first thing that Jesus really says to his followers. He says in Mark 1, 17, he says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. That's not something that you hear every day, but really what he's saying is people will follow you and learn from you. And that's the first thing that he says. And then he goes on to this next verse. It's the last thing that he says to them before he leaves them. He says, Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere. That doesn't just mean to church. It means go to the grocery stores. It means go to uh, the shopping mall. It means everywhere. He says, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. It's not just your family. It's not just um, the people that you are around church with. It's for everyone. It's for the guy at the store. It's for the person that you walk by at the gas station. It's for everyone. Now, I know you're probably at a place right now when, when thinking in this message like, oh, great. 
He's going to ask me to do something kind of crazy. He's going to ask me to step out of my comfort zone. He's going to ask me to, to share the gospel. He's going to ask me to do something that's kind of intimidating to me. And I think the reason we think of that is because when we picture evangelist or evangelism, we think of maybe an older guy who goes from city to city wearing a nice suit and a nice tie and some shiny shoes. And he comes into that city and he's there for a little bit and preaches and then he's gone. Or maybe you think of that angry guy holding a stake and, and yelling at people. And maybe that's the picture of an evangelist that you have. Well, I want to take a moment to kind of rethink that. Okay, we're going we're gonna to think of it in the lens of our own life experience. So I want you to take a moment to think of the person who was the most influential in your spiritual journey. Maybe that person who invited you to church. Or that person who invited you to the barbecue. Or that person who invited you to a Bible study. Well, I had two friends when I was in high school. Two friends who invited me into their life. And, and what they did was so different. They told me that I had value. They told me that I had worth. They told me that I was worth being around. And it was different for me. And when I think of that person, I think of some things that come to mind. And maybe you're thinking of the person who influenced your life. And some words that come to mind are kind and patient. Or available and friend or loving. Now, I want, I want to pause for a second and, and tell you that that person was an evangelist to you. There's someone who poured into your life and there's someone who took the time to get to know you and to show you the hope that is found in Jesus. I love the Bible because the Bible paints a way better picture than I can on what it means to witness or, or to be an evangelist. And we're going to go through a little bit of a verse right now in Acts 1 through 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I want to stop for a second and look at this word witnesses. Because evangelist is basically just another way of saying a witness. And when you think of the term witness in a courtroom setting, the role is not that of a prosecutor or the one who points out all the goods and bad things that have happened or, or any of that nature. They're not the defendant. They're not here to back you up. They're not the person who, who is the judge and going to place the final verdict on your life. But simply their job is to bear a story. And when they bear that story, they're basically just saying what happened in their life. And, and that same thing goes for someone who is an evangelist. It's saying, hey, this is how Jesus influenced me. This is why I respond the way that I respond. This is the way I do life. And it's because he really changed it. And it goes on to say that you will go and tell people, right, to the ends of the earth. That means it's for all people. That means it's going on. We're not supposed to just tell one person, yes, we are. But at the same time, it's for every single person. The gospel has no limits. It's really going to reach everyone. You see, from cover to cover, we are required to do this. And I know requirement seems like something that may be, be a task that's too hard to bear. And I believe that Jesus says this over our lives when we follow him, that it's really just another way of saying this is our destiny. It's a way that we can maintain our faith and stay fresh in the word. And, and Jesus made it very clear that we would go fishing. We'd go fishing for men and we'd be doing life with people and from the very beginning, it was always his plan to use you, to use me, to use us. 
See, the Bible says this. It says in 2 Timothy, preach the word of God, be prepared where the time is favorable or not. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. So you have influence, maybe at your work. Maybe you're a local coach or, or some, maybe you work at the grocery store. It doesn't matter. God will use you and he's given you a ministry to carry out. And we can do this simply by reaching one person. Now here's some things that I want us to kind of dive into um, in order to understand what it means to live kind of this lifestyle of an evangelist. The first thing we need to do is become aware. Now, I want you to be, become aware of two things. And the first thing is this, that this is God's plan. There isn't a plan B. He doesn't have some alternative. He always, from the very beginning of time, decided he was going to use men. He was going to use you. He was going to use me. He was going to use the church. And that was his plan. You see, it's his plan. It's not something that I came up with. It's not something of Central Christian Church just decided to do one day because it would make a, a cool series or any of that kind of stuff. It's not a, a good solution or a group therapy session. It's none of those things, but it's a strategy created by God. And our strategy, strategy sometimes looks like this. It's you invite them and maybe the pastor or someone qualified from the church will tell them about Jesus. And while that's probably better than nothing, um, his plan is actually to use you. To use you, the people who, who, who felt him, who fell in love with him, who know him. And the Bible makes it very clear. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. That's us. We're choosed. We are his ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. It doesn't say through a rock. It doesn't say through a dog. It doesn't say through um, something else. It, it, all it says is through us, and we are his ambassadors. And so that's the first thing, and become aware. And the second thing, and become aware, is that we got to understand how the process kind of works. And there's a lot to it. There's, there's many ways that people can be reached. And, but I just wanted to say, first things first, is that it's different for everyone. See, my story doesn't look like yours. My story doesn't look like Tim's. My star story doesn't look like Juan's. It doesn't look like uh, Fred's. It doesn't look like anybody else's because God is so intimate and he's so creative and he, he makes it for each of us. See, we don't always have to know the answers because that would be a little bit overwhelming. But if you, if you do, this is all you have to do, okay? I'm going to give you kind of the, the, the dummy edition and I say this because it's so simple. It's like, how do we reach people for dummies? And it's an easy thing. It's, it's we meet them where they're at. It's so simple. We learn about them. We ask them questions. We become aware of who they are. We have to understand what's at stake if we don't do this. You see, what's at stake is someone's eternal life. It means if they never come to know Jesus, they'll end up in the one place that, that is far, far too gone in a place that we don't want them to go. We want to fill heaven up with everybody. We want people to be celebrated when they say yes to him. And I know it's scary. What, what happens if they reject me, right? I know that question comes. And I once heard someone say this, and, and it kind of answers that question. It says, to deny sharing the gospel is to deny someone's God-given right to respond. And simply saying this is that if we don't share, we don't even give someone a chance to say yes or no. 
And I know we think that maybe they're rejecting us, but they're not. But all we got to do is give someone a chance to say yes or no. You see, we get to do the simple job. We get to plant the seed. And God gets to do the rest. We got it easy. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, My work was to plant the seed in your hearts. And Apollo's work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. I love this quote by Sam Williams. It says, Evangelism is really helping people discover where God is already at work in their lives. In simplicity, we're, be, we're just asking questions. We're finding things out. We're coming and we are becoming people who are aware. The next thing we have to do, guys, is I think as a community and, and as people who want to see people come to know Jesus, is we've got to commit to prayer. You see, committing to prayer, when we pray and ask God to move in the lives of people who don't know him, powerful things happen. I want to invite you guys into a little bit of my life and, and my journey and praying for people. And I used to work at a gun range, and in that time I had this awesome chance to get to know a lot of people, uh, whether they were customers or uh, my coworkers. And there was this one girl who would always kind of pick at my faith. She was considered an atheist, and she would always say things whenever I would walk in, like, Michael, how's Jesus doing? Or, or Michael, what does Jesus have to say about that? And, and it was kind of her way of, like, poking at, at my faith, and I would always just be like, oh, he's awesome like always, or he's still doing good things. And I remember having a conversation with her one time that really shaped the way that I seen her. This one time we were talking, and I don't know what we were really talking about, but I remember the phrase that she said. She said, I think that it would be cool to go to hell. It'd be kind of punk rock. And I remember leaving work that day and my heart was hurting. That someone thinks that eternal tormenting would be okay. And I remember going home and praying and saying, God, I need you to come through. I need you to encounter her. I need you to draw her to your heart. And, and I just pray, God, that she would know that you are God, that you are good. I, I pray that if you don't use me, that you would use somebody else. God, would you just work in this woman's life? And uh, over a few years go by, I just continued to pray for her every day after work when we would work together. And then the next thing you know, I'm off to go do this YWAM thing. And I remember her coming up to me and, and get, handing me a card. She hands me a card, and in the card it was um, like $50. And, and she writes in the card, she says, hey, you're amazing. Go and change the world. And I remember thinking that's kind of a weird thing for um, an atheist woman to provide funds for a man who's going to go tell everybody about Jesus. And over the next few years in my time in YWAM, I would just think of this girl and I would text her and say, hey, how are you doing? And she would always say, hey, how's Jesus? And I remember one moment when she texted me. She said, hey, Michael, I just want you to know that I moved to Georgia. And I met a man. His name is Michael and he reminds me of you. He's a Christian like you. Well, he invited me to church, and I'm a Christian like you now. And I remember in that moment thinking of every single time that I prayed for her. And I remember how I had no idea what I was going to do or how to respond to this girl's heart. But all I knew was all I can do is go to a moment of prayer believing that God would come through. And she looks at me and she says, um, she didn't look at me, but she texted me and what she said was this. She said, thank you for everything you did. And I, and I responded to her, I did nothing. She says, you did more than you could ever know. 
And I can't help but think that one of the most powerful ways that we can pray for our family members and people, our friends who don't know Jesus, is by simply praying the word of God over their life. And so some of the things we can pray into, and we're going to go through these pretty quickly, so, so stay with me, is the first thing we can pray is pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. The Bible says this, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. It's a simple prayer. It's easy. All we got to do is pray this. God, would they come to know you? Would you come to meet them, God? Would, would they encounter you? Would they meet the man Jesus and learn about your faithfulness? Would they draw near to you? The second thing we can pray for is pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. You see, we pray that God, that, that we would bind the enemy over their lives, that Satan doesn't have a place in their lives, and we replace the lies that have been spoken to them or the lies that they perceive with the truth of your word and the hope that is found in you, Jesus. The second thing, or third thing we can pray is that they come to know God relationally. The Bible says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. You see, it's not enough for them just to hear about God. I once heard this quote that it's kind of funny, but it paints a picture of, of, of this kind of reality. And the quote says, do they know him like they know their mama, or do they know him like they know Obama? And I think that's funny because you see, we see Obama on TV, we've heard about him, we've heard the things that he's, he does, but we don't really know him, right? We don't have a personal relationship with Obama. But what we do is we spend time with our mama, we know what gets her angry. I know that if I leave a cup out for too long, my mom's gonna go pick it up and clean it up. And she's going to tell me, hey, you left your cup out, or hey, you left the iron out. I know what, what things kind of irritate my mom, but I also know that if you gave her a hug, she would smile. And I know that just knowing God isn't enough. we got to know what brings him joy. we got to know what makes him smile. we got to know what angers his heart. we got to have a real relationship with Jesus. You see, it's a real relationship with, with God that helps us find freedom from all the things that we've been enslaved to. It helps us find freedom from fear. It's the real thing that we need is a relationship with God. Pray that they come to know God relationally. Fourth thing is pray that believers will cross their paths and enter into positive relationships with them. I remember praying for this girl at my work and saying, God, if you don't use me, would you use someone else? And while God used me, he also used another guy by the name of Michael who would invite her to church and she would come to know who Jesus is. So if God, if you won't use me to help my lost friends find you or my lost family members or whatever it is, would you send somebody who speaks truth, who loves like you love, who cares like you care, who does what you do into their lives so that they would know you? The last thing we should pray for with many other things, is to pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. The Bible says, I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See, knowing what Jesus did on the cross for us is the most important thing. See, he did that for me, he did that for you, he did that for them, and he's going to do it again and again. And my hope is that we as people, we as believers, would continue to to understand who God is. And I pray that God would continue to reveal himself to you in greater ways than you've ever experienced before. That you would become more intimate with who he is. See, we have to commit to pray for these people. The power of prayer is amazing, and I've seen it in my own life, and I believe God wants to do it again in yours. So the next thing we have to do as an evangelist is very simple. It's show you care. Now, There's a story in the Bible about a man named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know this song, maybe, but if you don't, I'm not going to sing it. But it's a fun song, and I love the story, that, how it paints a picture of what Jesus does and, and how Jesus pursues us and how Jesus runs after us. And in Luke 19, 1 through 10, it starts like this. It says, as Jesus was passing through Jericho, a man named Zacchaeus, one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and of course a very rich man tried to get a look at Jesus. But he was too short, and he couldn't see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. When, G- when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him on over. He, said, he called him by name, Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down, for I am going to be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus hurried down, and uh, he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the crowds were pretty displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They all grumbled. And I want to stop for a second and and, and talk about these three things real quick. The first thing I want to point out that Jesus did is he called him by name. He showed him that he was seen. He took time to address Zacchaeus. Man, there's so many people out there that don't even know that they're seen. And all we got to do is is simply engage in conversation and talk to them and let them know that they're seen. The second thing he does, he says, I'm going to be a guest in your home today. Now, if someone told me that they were going to become a guest in my house and I didn't know them that well, I'd get a little freaked out. But Jesus is doing something. He's inviting him into his world by inviting him to his life. Now, basically what he's saying is, look, man, I'm going to come hang out with you and I want to get to know you. I want to ask you questions. I want to get to know your heart. And and that's simply what he does is he invites him into his world. And the third thing, um, it says he was a guest of a notorious sinner. Now, that doesn't seem like something that is cool to be called, right? But Jesus, what he does is he sees people in the lens of love regardless of the way the world convicts them. So it doesn't matter what you have to say about Paul or what you have to say about Gina. Jesus sees them and he says, I love them, regardless of what they've done, regardless of how the world sees them. They are my children. And the story continues on. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, sir, from now on, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I find I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. That's a lot. Jesus told him this shows that salvation has come to this home today. 
This man was one of the lost sons of Abraham, and I, the Messiah, have come to search for and save such souls as his. In simplicity, Jesus was running after Zacchaeus the whole time. You see, my life was changed because I had two friends who didn't understand me and invited me into their life. Me and my friends, we were so different and we had no reason to be hanging out. They had no reason to invite me into their homes. We were polar opposites. And, and the very same thing was happening with Jesus and Zacchaeus. They were polar opposites, but Jesus said, I don't care. I'm going to go into your world and I'm going to learn about you. You see, my friends, they, they didn't have to be me to reach me. They became guests in my home. And I became guest in theirs. And we as the church are called to be all things to all people. See, the gospel's for everyone. It's not just for my um, influence area. It's not just for the people that I used to play hockey with. It's not just for my family. It's actually for every single person that I see. And the same goes for you. The same goes for every single person that you see at work. Or you see at the, the, the baseball game or, or you see um, when, when you go to different stores or wherever you might be, the gospel is for everyone. And the Bible says this. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, 22 through 23, this verse is long, bear with me, but it is a good one. It says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible, I become all things. We ought to become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Let's become people who will do anything and everything to reach even one person. He left the 99 for the one. Let's become those same people. See, I believe that if we become aware of what's at stake, and, and we do the things that we're supposed to do. And we do these three things, is become aware, commit to prayer, and show that we care. I believe that God is going to do something, and he's going to give us an opportunity. And I believe once he gives us that opportunity, we have to do something. We have to be ready to share, which brings me to my final thing. The Bible says this, in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The reason for the hope that you have. I remember my first couple weeks in YWAM, um, I, I wasn't really the evangelist or understood what it meant, but there was this girl who came up to me and she says, Michael, um, can I have your email address? I want to send you something. I had a dream about you. And I want to share it with you, but I want, I want you to keep the dream just in case you ever need it or something that you can go back to. And she starts explaining to me this dream. She says, in the dream, I was given a book and I was told to give it to you. The book had a bunch of answers and to tell you that you needed to be ready because hundreds of people would be knocking at your door every single day ready to ask you questions. And I remember thinking like, uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of a lot, right? That's kind of too much to bear. I don't have all the answers. I don't have answers for anyone. And honestly, I'm kind of new in all of this. I just wish I could sit in the back and, and, and just watch everybody else do the work. And I remember going home and praying and being like, God, what kind of answers am I going to be asked? And actually, like, God, can you maybe, like, do this a different way? Maybe 
something that I'm used to. And I felt like God was saying, Michael, it's so simple. I felt like God was saying, all you have to do is share your story and align it with the truth of the word. All the answers that, that people will ask questions to, they're right there in that book. Just open it up. And remember from that point, just, just diving into the word more and more each day, wanting to know, like, man, if someone were to ask me, like, what does salvation mean? I could share that thing with them. But, but the truth was, is what God was just saying, all you have to do is remember that moment where you met me. You see, I remember being a young kid who, who didn't know anything about myself and, and I was lost. And, and I remember that I had two friends who invited me to church, two friends who loved differently, two friends who convinced me that I had value. And when everything seemed so lost, I remember running to church to find those guys, but actually finding someone else and his name is Jesus. And when I met Jesus, all the things that I desired, hope, peace, and joy, it all came at his name. And what God told me in that moment was saying, hey, Michael, you know that story that you have? Well, no one can deny that it's true. And the same goes for you. I know it seems scary. I know that it might, might seem kind of nerve-wracking to share about your story or share about Jesus, but no one can deny that your story is true. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. Just tell people. Do you have hope? Did Jesus do something in your life? Then just tell them why you have hope. Tell them what Jesus did. See, this is the most important thing that we can do. Here's what the Bible says about that. In Acts 20, 24, it says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. You see, I love sharing about Jesus because he really did change my life. See, I don't do this or, or stand here or, 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 or become a member of this church because it feels like a good way to spend my time and uh, there's a lot of things that I could be doing or, or any of those things, but maybe this is just something I should do. No, I do this because at one point in my life I needed Jesus and he came through and he still comes through today for me every single day. And I believe that there's people out there who don't know who he is. And what they need is someone to do these things. They need someone to become aware. They need someone to commit to prayer. They need someone to show that they care. And they need someone who's ready to share. See, I'm not asking you to gather hundreds. I'm not asking you to gather millions or stadiums. But what I, what I wonder what it would look like if we literally just reached the one. I heard a stat, you can fact check it, I don't know it to be true, but I heard that if every single Christian in America told the gospel to one person who did not know the gospel, then all of America would hear it. And I know that uh, millions seems like a daunting task, but one, it seems so much more doable. And so I want to invite you into something. Here's that moment. That moment of, 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 of uh-oh, He's going to ask me to do something. Well, that moment is this. If you're a person who's saying, man, I want to commit to share what God has done in my life, I want you to write this phrase. Now, you can write this in the chat or you can write this on your Instagram story. 
But I want you to write this phrase because this is a phrase that I believe is always going to draw your attention and, and remind you to think about what Jesus has done in your life. And so if you are committing to these things over your life, here's what I want you to do, okay? Again, we'll talk about those things. It's become aware. Commit to prayer. Care that you, show that you care. And be ready to share. If you're going to commit to that today as a believer, to reach that one person, then I want you to write the hope of Jesus in the chat right now. The hope of Jesus on your Instagram story. Maybe what it'll do is spark a question in someone else's life on Instagram. and Maybe you'll get an opportunity to share, but if anything, it's just a reminder that you have hope. And the hope of Jesus exists in this world. And it's for all people. And as we land this plane, I'm going to pray for you guys that God would provoke you to share, that God would, would remind you of that moment when you encountered him, and that you would long for people to have that same experience. When I met Jesus at that church, I remember running home, and I made a commitment to God. I said, God, if you're real, you have to use me. That same hope that you gave me, I want everyone in the world to experience. That same joy that you gave me, everyone has to know it. That same hope that is found in you, oh, the world needs to know it. And my prayer is that that would be the same cry of your heart today. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much for your good news. I thank you for the beauty of who you are. I thank you for chasing after me. I thank you for chasing after every single person watching. I thank you for chasing after the city of San Jose. I thank you for providing something for us to hold on to. And that's the hope that's found in you. God, I pray for every single person who's committed to this challenge of bringing hope to a city, bringing hope to a friend, bringing hope to a home. But I pray that you would mark our hearts as the evangelist. But simply people who love you, who long to know you, and who long for everyone else in the world to encounter your goodness. God, I pray that you would remind us of these things. I pray that we would be ready to be used. And God, I, I just say right now that any distractions or anything that would come against us, God, we rebuke those right now. We say that the devil cannot steal this from us. We say that the devil's not going to distract us. We say that, that we are going after you. And, and, and God, we commit to saying yes to being used by you. So if you want to use us to reach the person at the gas station, we say yes. If you want us to reach our one friend, God, we say yes. If you want us to reach the person who walks their dog by our house every day, God, we say yes. And we commit to your plan. God, any, any way that it would be our own plan, we say no to that and we say yes to your plan. God, we thank you for using us. It is a joy to know you. And I thank you for saving us. So God, we love you. We need you. And we certainly can't live without you. In Jesus' name, amen.